everyone, and welcome to East Daily's Midstream Edge podcast, where we connect molecules to money. I'm your host, Shireen Lakani, Rob Wilson, AJ O'Donnell. Happy to have you both in studio today. How's it going? Pretty good, Shireen. Pretty good. The weekend is almost here. Yes, it's close. Yeah. I'm doing well, Shireen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being in, AJ. Um, so one of the key messages from our annual report, Dirty Little Secrets, and, and one that we've been talking about a lot in the context of our crude hub model, um, is how northbound pipes out of the Permian are going to face a decent amount of risk going into the back half of this year um, as the slew of Gulf Coast bound pipelines come online. So I'm talking Epic, Gray Oak, Cactus 2. Um, now Plains, ticker symbol PAA, has an interest in Cactus 2, um, which is you know fine and dandy, but um, they also own a lot of the northbound crew takeaway into Cushing. Um, I'm thinking about Basin and Sunrise specifically. So we've been saying for a while that those pipes are at risk, but you guys have been noting some possible offsets to that risk. Um, you wrote a data insight on it, I think, a week ago or so. Um, so I'm hoping we can start with that and then drill into um, some newer announcements from this week. So first off, Basin Pipeline. Um, what's Plains doing, if anything, to offset the, the risk on the northbound lines? So I think Plains management saw this picture unfolding uh, a number of quarters ago. And what they've effectively been doing is shifting uh, a lot of their capex spending towards expanding uh, intra-basin and gathering infrastructure to support their network of connecting assets. Um, now, there's not much competition along the northbound uh, route all the way up to Cushing. It's kind of just Plains and Centurion. But if you look at the volume breakdown over the last uh, two years, you can see a shift in how gathering an interbasin along the basin pipeline has overtaken and become the primary generator of uh, revenue and cash flow according to our models. Um, yeah, that's interesting, right? Because you, to, I mean, generally, at least from like the crude hub model perspective, we kind of concentrate on the long haul pipes. Don't really look at the the interest state from that perspective, but we do obviously on the equity side. Um, Tell me more a little bit about how the how the interest state is offsetting the risk on the long haul pipe. So they've they've been effectively able to push about five hundred thousand more barrels a day from their uh, gathering and intra basin lines through uh, basins major connectors at uh, Wink Midland and Wichita Falls, which have hooked up to other connecting carriers. And effectively, we've been risking those volumes at 50% into the future. So we're saying that into the future, that pipe could run at 50% capacity, but those extra volumes that are being picked up from the surrounding areas are offsetting any of the risk. So it's kind of deleveraging the, the long haul, the long haul risk. Yeah, very interesting. So there was another pipe that there was kind of a, a became a hot ticket news item this week, um, and that was the Red River expansion. Uh, I'm guessing that well, they're expanding that pipe first of all, and Delic or yeah, Delic is uh, in on the on the expansion now. Um, I'm assuming that will also offset some of the the risk on other planes pipes. But give me like 
big picture, what was the deal that was announced this week? Um, who are the big players? How much is it costing? Things like that. So the big picture is, is it's a Dalek and Plains JV. Uh, Dalek is purchasing 33% of the Red River newly formed JV from Plains for $128 million. A small portion of the $128 million is, is uh is going towards the capital expansion project, which is going to take the pipe from 150 to 235. And that is expected to be completed in the first half of 2020. Um, but there's also another owner on the pipe, and it's best to understand Red River if you break it down into two segments. You have the first Cushing to Hewitt segment, and then you have the Hewitt to Longview segment. Now, the Cushing to Hewitt segment is split up between Plains 60% and Valero 40%. Valero is basically using that 40% to feed their Ardmore refinery. So now with the new JV, that's going to be split up between three parties. And in order to understand like how the whole deal works, it's best to kind of treat the pipe as two separate pipes. Kind of like Saddlehorn and Grand Mesa. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so part of the deal is is that Valero has a right to participate in the expansion project. But based on what we're seeing from the press release from Dalek Plains and other sources, it's hard to get a clear understanding, but it looks like uh, Valero will participate in incremental expansion, incremental volumes on the expansion, somewhere between like 10 and 15. They'll be left with like 30% of the total volume, total expanded volumes from Cushing to Hewitt. Um, but the pipe in general has gone pretty underutilized in the past two years since Plains has acquired it. Um, it's running at about 40% utilization in 2017 and maybe 50% in 2018, and that's being generous. And why is that? Do you know? Well, uh, Rob touched on a DI from uh, about a month ago about a new star project and basically a bottlenecking issue, a bottlenecking constraint at the at the Hewitt terminal. And maybe he can explain a little bit about this. Yeah, sure. So um, so Valero, like AJ mentioned, owns 40% of the Cushing to Hewitt segment. Um, Valero also should be noted owns 20% of the Sunrise expansion. So they own 100 um, a thousand barrels a day of the Sunrise uh, pipeline that uh, goes up into Wichita Falls. Um, so they also own 40% of the of the Cushing Hewitt segment um, to feed their refinery. Um, now the Red River pipeline was or, or currently is 150 a day of capacity. Um, the other segment is all the way from Cushing to Longview, um, but Planes or any other shipper on that pipeline can't use the full 150 all the way from Cushing to Longview because 60 of that capacity is owned essentially by Valero that dumps off the bonds at Hewitt. So what Planes and Newstar did is they teamed up together to um, funnel volumes or, or redirect volumes from the Permian all the way over to Hewitt. So they'll feed about 55 to 65 a day volumes at Hewitt so that Planes is now able to um, to utilize the portion of the pipe from um, from Hewitt down to Longview, um, a segment of the pipe that they couldn't previously fully utilize. So 
that project was actually very accretive, I believe, for planes, added almost 50 million a year in EBITDA with very minimal capital expenditures. Also allows Newstar to get their volumes down to Longview, um, fairly close to the Gulf Coast. So um, in my view, that was a very good, that was a very good project for planes. That's interesting. So most of the newer pipes and the newer pro- infrastructure projects in Texas have been geared towards getting volumes from the Permian to the Gulf Coast. Explain to me how Delic fits into this whole picture. Like, what's their motivation behind uh, being part of this expansion? Yeah, so Shereen, you're absolutely right. Um, producer shippers um, from the Permian want to use the new pipes to go to the premium price Gulf Coast. That's where they have commitments. However, what Plains has done to mitigate some of the blind attrition that we see um, is is negotiating contracts with demand use. So Delic has um, has three three refineries in, in uh, Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana where they source Permian or WTI linked crude, um, they call it. So it goes through Cushing, a lot of it does. Um, so if you look at Delic's investor presentations, they actually think this provides them one with optionality, which we totally agree with, excuse me, agree with. Two, um, uh, Midland has been priced at a discount to Cushing. So it's a cheaper source of, of crude oil. And that is the case now. I think where we might disagree with Delic a little bit, if I'm interpreting their investor deck um, correctly, is we believe that the differential between the Permian and Cushing will go away once Epic, Cactus 2, and Grail come online, uh, just because, again, the volumes will be incentivized to go there. There will be open capacity on Centurion, Sunrise, and um, Basin going up into Cushing. So... Um, we don't believe the benefit from a cost perspective will be sustainable, but from planes perspective, it's, it works for them because that probably allowed them to negotiate the, this um, increased volume by about uh, 65,000 barrels a day all the way into to Longview. So from planes perspective, it's a good thing that that's the outlook. It's not a bad project. If you um, stack the tariff rates from a new build pipeline from the Permian down to the Gulf Coast and up to Longview versus the Permian to Cushing down to Longview, it's a little more expensive to go through Cushing in in our view, um, but not significantly more expensive. So um, still a good deal for Delic, but a really good deal for planes to de-risk the volume attrition that we otherwise would have seen because producers definitely don't want to take that more expensive um, route to get to the Gulf Coast. Now, Delic doesn't necessarily need to get to the Gulf Coast. Their refineries are, um, are near Longview, so they don't they don't need need to get all the way to the Gulf Coast. Makes sense. It definitely provides a lot of optionality for for Delic. For, what about from the financial side? Um, have you thought about the the impact the EBITDA? You know, comparing before and after the expansion. Yeah. So um, Delic provided some some pre and post numbers in their presentation on the announcement. Um, we were able to kind of back into what that meant for planes uh, through the numbers they provided and then look at our planes model and try to back into the numbers for Delic to see if the, it kind of matched up. And what we're seeing for the pre numbers are, they seem to make sense. I mean, Delic is basically you know, showing incremental EBITDA based on volumes from the new star project coming online and charge at the correct tariff rates. So that makes sense. Now the post expansion numbers, this is where 
we start to diverge a little bit. I think that for the most part, we've been pretty conservative with our estimates. And if you just take in to account the MVCs that are being pledged along with the volumes that are coming from the new star connection at Hewitt, we're seeing a little bit more upside to this project maybe than what's baked into the numbers provided by Delic. Mm. Um, I see incremental uh, adjusted EBITDA for, for planes somewhere between 25 and 30. And then... Uh, and that's million for the annual? It's an annualized okay. basis, yeah, yeah. correct. Um, it'll be about conservatively like five million, uh, a little bit more than five and a half million per quarter. Okay. Yeah, and th- th- there could be some some risk, but what we're using to get into that number is the current filed tariff rate. So, AJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the tariff rate to get from for for a committed shipper um, to get all the way down to Longview from uh, from Cushing is 189, something like that. Yep. So we're using currently posted tariff rates to to back into the incremental EBITDA number. And like AJ said, in our view, we think if anything, the the guided EBITDA numbers could be a little bit light. So it sounds like pretty minimal risk from overall for for the project um, and and pretty decent returns. Um, But what I think is really the key here is how well Plains has managed to mitigate the risk that we talked about up front, right, where we've been talking about since the beginning of this year in our annual report with uh, northbound flows from Midland to Cushing being at risk. Um, Plains seems to have come out ahead or is at least preparing to come out ahead um, uh, uh, to mitigate that risk. Would you agree? Yeah, sure. You know, I would definitely agree. Look, when we when we um, wrote our annual report, uh, Dirty Little Secrets, in January, we thought the risk volumes um, migrating from Cushing to the U.S. Gulf Coast was around 500,000 barrels a day. Now, we still see significant um, risk on those northbound barrels. Uh, however, the number looks to be more like 400 or 375,000 barrels a day based off of the incremental volumes Plains has secured from Newstar and, and Delic. So we do think that move uh, will de-bottleneck um, Cushing to the U.S. Gulf Coast, and really the prices between the Midland and Cushing will um, will be very close. You won't see the differentials um, that you've seen in the past, although the differentials now between the Midland and, and Cushing have gone below a dollar. So um, we could we could potentially be starting to see some line fill from Epic. Um, if, if that's uh, persistent, that would likely be the case. So it's supposed to come online uh, or, or begin line fill in June. could be a month early. Um, but the bottom line is Plains has done a good job of mitigating that exposure of the, the northbound volume flows from Midland to Cushing. So they have done a very good job with that. Cool. Perfect. Um, it'll be interesting to see over the next few quarters how, how this impacts earnings and, and how well we do in forecasting that. So stay tuned. Um, thanks both of you for joining me today. Appreciate it. Um, as always, if you have any questions about this week's episode, shoot us a message at insight at eastdaily.com. And while you're at it, please send us your feedback and, and any oil and gas questions you might have. You can subscribe to our podcast on several platforms now, um, as well as on our website, eastdaily.com. We are adding new platforms every week, so watch out for more places to access our insights. Uh, please remember that anything you hear on this podcast is not intended to be investment advice, so please do not invest 
based solely on what you hear on this episode. That wraps up this episode of The Medge. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.